Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Romance and Color. I'm Tati, one half of the duo here at Romance and Color, and thank you for coming on back. Uh, we're still doing our Writing in Color series uh, for the next couple of weeks, and this week we are going to be talking to Edwina Martin Arnold. I was so lucky to talk to uh, Ms. Martin Arnold who is has a 20 year history uh, in writing and career in writing uh, romance. And I was just so overwhelmed in talking to her. I feel like I gained so much knowledge about the industry, about diversity, about, um, you know, writers and sticking to your path and what's true to you. And I just want to say the conversation with um, Edwina Martin Arnold truly, truly blessed me as a writer. And I can see that you can write and create your own happiness and writing on your own terms. And truly, as she said, redefine romance um, for yourself and for your audience. And so with that being said, I want to invite you all to listen to my conversation with Edwina Martin Arnold. Hello, everyone. We are joined by Edwina Martin Arnold. Um, she is a lawyer um, that resides in Seattle, uh, Washington, right outside Seattle in Tacoma, uh, Washington, and is an author of Romance. And thank you so much for joining us here on Romance and Color um, and our Writing in Romance uh, author series. So thank you so much uh, for taking the time and speaking with me about three hours difference. <laughs> But thank you so much uh, for joining me on the podcast um, today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes. So tell us a little bit about um, yourself. Like I mentioned, you're a lawyer and you're from Seattle. And I know your tagline is redefining romance. So tell us a little bit about that and what that actually means as far as the genre and what your writing is, is, is about. I would be happy to, you know, I started uh, my my professional, I guess, writing career. Uh, my first book was published in 2001 with Genesis Press. And mm -hmm. so I have to back tell you a little bit more. So I was um, a prosecutor for the city and for city of Seattle and for King County, one of the bigger counties out here. And my husband and I were both on the fast track. Um, we had three kids. So one of us had to slow up or nannies were going to end up raising our children. Mm. So um, <laughs> I made the decision uh, to slow up. And so I left my career uh, as a prosecutor and I was driving my poor husband crazy um, because, <laughs> you know, I would, I would do some things, you know, you go from that type of position to a stay at home mom. Right. And, um, you know, by the time he got home, I was talking to him like he was a kid and he would be saying, Edwina, I'm not a kid. Um, and so <laughs> I needed to do something. So what we decided to do, I had always written, but I just did it for um, because it made me feel good. So every Monday, my husband would take the kids to daycare and I would write the whole day. And it was just something that made me feel good. It wasn't wow. where I was looking to be published. Mm -hmm. um, and then after about a year of this, I had about 147 pages. Wow. And, I let my <laughs> and I'll never forget one of my brothers said, Edwina, this is a really great book if you're writing a legal treatise. <laughs> <laughs> so that was 
way of telling me my writing was quite boring. <laughs> oh my so I had to delawyerize myself in my writing. And so I was still doing it just to feel good. And then another year goes by and I started to see, um, so this is like the late nineties. Um, mm -hmm. And I started to see black romances in the grocery store. And I was like, wow, I could do this. I have a black romance. And so um, another year went by. So this is a three year project. And I was able to get it published with Genesis Press. And so my first book is East, East Prescription. I believe it came out in 2001 with Genesis Press. And then I had another book with Genesis Press. Back at that time, there were two houses doing black romance, Genesis Press and um, BET, uh, Arabesque. Yeah, Arabesque, and, yeah. Yeah, Arabesque. And so um, I published a second book with Genesis Press. And then Arabesque um, asked me if I would like to be an author there. And I said, sure. And then Harlequin bought or whatever deal went through. Harlequin took over Arabesque and I was a Harlequin writer. So the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. So here I am at the height of what I consider to be uh, the height of the romance industry at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I got the news that my sister was dying. So I got both mm -hmm. of them the same week. And so mm -hmm. my sister was my biggest fan and she had cancer. Wow. And she, yeah, she lived in San Diego. So I would go for one week and stay with her. And then my mom would stay for three weeks. And we did that until she passed. And so um, she was absolutely thrilled that I was now a Harlequin writer. And so, you know, when you're writing for the houses, you don't have a whole lot of input, right? right. One thing they, yeah. One thing they give you input on is the cover. And so I was like, you know, my sister's passing. I don't care what you guys put on the cover. And the book came out about four months after she passed and the picture looks just like my sister. Oh, so, <laughs> oh my goodness. And that was her smiling down saying, you know, that, well, that was her favorite book at the time too. And so um, I think that was her stamp of approval on the book. Mm. But having her pass, I mean, every time I sat down to write, I would start to cry. So I slowly just stopped writing. Mm. Um, and so I never delivered the second book to Harlequin. Mm. Then about three years ago, I started having dreams about my sister and she was saying, get over it. I miss your writing. Come on, you need to write. And I started getting the urges again, mm -hmm. started writing. So I finished the second book for Harlequin. It was just 14 years late. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> and I sent it to them and they remembered me, which was quite a compliment. Um, and they said, Edwina, we don't quite publish in this genre anymore. If you want to do this, that, and the other, we'll consider publishing it. So I thought about this, that, and the other. But then I said, you know, let me explore self-publishing. Right. And it was so easy. Mm. So easy. And so I said, you know, I'm going to go ahead and self-publish this. So it was twice tempted, um, the sequel to the Harlequin book, House, House Guest. And I, I, back in the day, I published, I self-published Chocolate Friday just because I wanted to see what the experience was like. Um, and it was much harder <laughs> than it is now. So anyway, I decided to, I, um, I updated Chocolate Friday and I decided to go with the Chocolate Romance series after Twice Tempted. Okay. So that's kind of my writing journey. Um, I really feel like I know it from all angles. You really yeah. do. You really do. I think you're, I, th I, I've never met anybody who was with one of the houses and then kind of like took a step back and then came back as self to self publish that. I mean, that's a remarkable 
journey and, and really to you, a testament to you and your own resilience to kind of keep going, you know, in the face of all this, you know, tragedy that you've experienced, still knowing that your work was important. It was important to you, important to your sister. And if it was important to your sister, it's obviously important to a fan base of folks out there, you know? Mm-hmm. So true. I feel very fortunate. Mm. And why I'm saying I'm redefining romance, another reason I self-published Chocolate Friday because I knew it didn't fit into any of the formula. You know, everything has a formula. Right. Yeah. And so um, at the time, and Chocolate Friday really doesn't, still doesn't fit into a, a formula. Um, and I didn't want to compromise. I didn't want to change my book. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that's why I'm saying if you read my book, it's not the typical romance story. Of course, every romance, you know, they're going to fall in love at the end. Right. Yeah. And you know, there's going to be some conflict because who knows, who wants to read about two people getting along all the time? Right, right, right. <laughs> but I think I take you on a journey journey that's not formalistic. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. I don't want to give too much of the book, the books away because I want people to read them. But what, when you say it's not formalistic, what's something that a typical like romance novel would have that yours doesn't, for example? Oh, um, whew. well, that's easier for me to say what mine has that a typical romance doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Flipping the question just a tad. Okay. Um, so for example, in Chocolate Friday, uh, Chocolate Friday came about because my readers wanted more sex scenes. <laughs> right. I love to read erotica, but I don't want to write it. <laughs> so <laughs> challenge for me. So I had to come up with a creator uh, with a character who is a sexual innocent. Mm. And so you get to go through all of these wonderful experiences with her as she discovered the joys of making love and being in love. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first part of that book, and she had something traumatic to happen to her, but it wasn't a rape or anything like that. Um, okay. So she had a traumatic event. So it took a long time to set her up. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I, I spend a lot of time in the beginning of the book in her head. And I think the typical romance, right, or the typical formula would be, Edwina, you need to introduce the hero a lot sooner mm-hmm. than I did. Uh, but it really fits the book the mm-hmm. way I So that's one example. You know, normally they want the hero and the heroine introduced very early in the book. Right, right. And in this book, um, it, I needed some time to develop the character before the hero comes in there. Okay. Okay. That okay. makes sense. Yeah, that's, that totally makes sense. Like you're setting up the scenarios and the plot before we get totally invested in like the development of the character. Even though the character development is important, the setup is, is more important than the, the in this instance, I guess, than the character development. If I'm, if I'm kind of like, well, what you're saying yeah well yeah i just developed her fully before i introduced the hero right right yeah. right right and you know i uh as you mentioned earlier i'm a lawyer so if somebody told me i had to go to school to write i would have pulled out my hair running and screaming <laughs> so i'm self-taught um and i'm a reader i mean my sister she was four years older than me she would read me harlequin to fall asleep at night so you can mm. imagine boy when i finally made it to harlequin but yeah. uh, uh, so I go with my gut a lot. I mean, of course, I had to learn some things, mm-hmm. uh, but I go with my gut a lot about what is realistic 
you know, and that drives right. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Like I've I know for me, there there's when I'm reading a romance, if it's if it's something that's like totally not plausible for me, then mm-hmm. I'm not gonna finish the rest of the book. It's just it's just it's just a given. I'm not gonna finish the rest of the book if the opening scenarios or this or, or something about it is just not plausible for me. Mm-hmm. Um I was telling a friend I just I just finished a book. Um earlier this year and you know there was a it was kind of a may december romance and for this and i thought to myself it's so to me i think it would be totally unrealistic for a woman who was extremely wealthy and and all this to like leave you know her life just to up and leave her life for somebody who was like 30 years younger than her (laughs) basically um I, i i couldn't i couldn't get invested in that i mean maybe but you know, if you're already an established person, particularly as a woman who's very independent, I was like, I don't really feel like invested in this scenario. I mean, it just yeah, I couldn't finish the book. So <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't finish the book. Um what about as a reader, because I am about to write a book and then my gut is telling me to do it, so I'm gonna do it. But the 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 man is about 15 years older than the woman. I don't think that's, I mean, that's nothing, that's nothing new, I guess. But I mean, we get a lot of older men, younger women, um, young ingenue type of uh, romances. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's particularly uh, unusual. I, I think what's unusual for me is if a person, even if they were male or female um, or, or whatever gender or non-binary uh, situation um, that they're in, if, if they, if they or would like totally, I don't know, compromise themselves or, or something that's essential to themselves gets compromised for a person for love, um, something that made them fulfilled and happy and they kind of just tossed it away. I think I think that's, for me, it's just kind of like, uh, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't know, I don't like that. I don't know, that's, that's me. I don't know. I, I don't, I, I, maybe I'm just very cynical. <laughs> I think I'm cynical, so yeah. I don't know. So you mentioned your sister and how she was kind of your gateway to romance novels. So would you say she's the reason why you fell in love with novels? And do you remember like the first romance novel you read? I don't remember the first romance novel I read, but I remember the first black romance novel I read. Oh, yeah, that's important. It was Eve and Eva. Ooh. Or, or something like that. Even it wasn't Sandra Kitt, although I read hers too. Uh, something. It's Adam and Eva. That was the name of it. Yes, yes. I think I want to say that is that it, Vivian Stevens. I don't know. I, I, it, it sounds familiar. I want to say it's Vivian Stevens, but I could be wrong. I could be. Yeah, wrong. I'm terrible. Sandra- at- <laughs> I am terrible at names. And I think it came out in 1983. No, 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 you're right. It was Sandra Kitt. It was Sandra Kitt. Oh, it was, mm-hmm. it was Sandra Yeah. Eva, right? Yeah. yeah. 1983? Oh, gosh. I, I don't know. I'm looking at an old reprint. So I says it came out in two, the reprint came out in 2006. Uh, as a no, special it- release. But I know it was the A, I think it was 84, 83 or 84. Yeah. 
Yep, that was the first black one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was one of the first ones to get like you know major deals. Mm -hmm. It's I mean such a person that paved the way for many of us in the genre, in the genre. Um, But yeah, yeah, I think so. So reading Adam and Eva made made an impression when you're like, hey, black people are really out here (laughs) writing romance and and having happily ever afters. Yeah. I didn't see anyone else until the late 1990s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think I think the 90s was much more of a boom of of like the romance um, that kind of teetered into like women's fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So and then we got the you know the Terry McMillans and the Eric Jerome Dickies and all these other folks, Elaine Harris and all that stuff. That I mean, it was essentially romance, but also kind of you know centered on other you know issues um that were going on at the time mm-hmm. um and so what in 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 doing that in steeping a lot of your stories um particularly featuring you know african-american characters um what are some things culturally that you want to highlight about you know african-american lived experiences in your romances you know, it was, it's still very important to me. And when I first started writing, um, uh, it was one of the things I really wanted to do. When mm-hmm. you would pick up a book about Seattle, it would be about the Scandinavians or mm-hmm. some, some Northern European folks in the Seattle area. Mm-hmm. And Seattle has a rich, rich Black history. Yeah. And that was my goal. I wanted to bring a little piece of Seattle history uh, to every book. Mm-hmm. Or Northwest history, not just Seattle. Right, 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 right. And so I think I've held true to that. But I and I've been toying with the idea of doing a historical uh, romance, mm-hmm. Seattle, mm-hmm. And highlighting some of that rich history. I think that would be awesome. Sort of like folks that you know, post slavery reconstruction, moving out west and settling in in, in those areas. That would be fantastic. I would read it. <laughs> I'll read. I would totally read it. I love. I love a good. I love a good like Western type historical. That's my. That's my jam. I don't know. I don't. I just love it. I absolutely love them. I would read it. So like, I'm gonna wait until you write it, and I. I, I and I I'll wait for it. Yeah, just one tidbit of history. We have. Uh, you might have heard of Washington State University, which is we have two big public universities: University of Washington and Washington State University. Right. And Washington State University was started by a black man. Wow. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. So as an agricultural college. Um, wow. I did not know that. So yeah, we do have a really fascinating history that hasn't been brought to light. Wow. I, did, I didn't know that. As, as somebody who's a HBCU grad, I, I should I should research these types of things. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fascinating. I didn't know that. At and, all. You know, I mean, it and it and it's not thought of as an HBCU, even though he started it. You know, it's a it's a white public college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, when I know you said you kind of started writing when you took a break from being a lawyer and you know having to devote so much time to your 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 children, but even still, um, being a mom and having to raise I think you said three kids. How in the world did you balance the time with writing and raising three kids? You know, I wrote when I could. And when I tried to have writer's block, I told myself, 
you know, you don't have the luxury of writer's block. You have to write. And so I would, <laughs> I would force myself, but like when they would be at practice and I would be sitting in the car writing, um, I wrote at night, I wrote on the weekends. I really wrote around their schedule. Mm. Mm. Worked pretty well. Mm. Mm. And now, you know, they're grown. I have a lovely, lovely two-year-old granddaughter. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> so I have a lot more time to, to write. Yeah, but now you have more time to spoil versus <laughs> versus race. You have more time to spoil your grandbaby versus you know. Mm -hmm. It's so it's, I know my my, my mother in law tells me it's so different. It's so different. I don't have to be on all the time, you know. Nope, she, gotta love them. Yeah, I just gotta love them. So the other, I, I know the other thing that you mentioned was um, moving from be it with a traditional publisher to now self-publishing which is mm -hmm. which is I mean a lot of authors now are kind of like a hybrid they they, they self-publish some things that they may not feel would be quote-unquote mainstream and they also have um you know contracts with you know some of the the big five you know publishing houses um what have you learned kind of take me back to like when you got first got to the like publishing process and what do you mm -hmm. what did you learn and like how did switching kind of from gears from being with a publishing house to self-publishing like what did that ultimately teach you or how did that kind of you know make your writing better yeah right making my writing better that's a continual process right um i firmly firmly believe you have to read to write mm. And I'm not coming, I'm not coming up with that on my own. I'm copying, is it Stephen or Stephen? Stephen King? <laughs> Stephen King. <laughs> Stephen King. <laughs> copying him. He said that. You have to read to write. And I was like, wow, he is absolutely right. You do have to read to write. Um, so uh what I learned publishing with the houses, um, I think I honed my writing because you know they have the editors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and it wasn't just like my second book, I had a whole bunch of basketball and I remember my editor saying, Edwina, nobody wants to read all that basketball. I was like, yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to take the basketball out. Um, so that part of editing is difficult, but they also help you, you know, I think I memorized Strunk and White, the little short, um, grammar book. Yes. Yes. I think I have that memorized and that process started working with editors, um, mm. And so um, I learned, I think I, I learned um, the craft of writing underneath the houses mm -hmm. of writing. Romance. Um, but the, the major difference for me, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not answering your question, but I feel like no, I have to. No, you are. You definitely are. The major difference to me is if I was depending on writing for making my living, mm -hmm. um, I would probably tend to go with the houses because all you have to do is write the book really and they distribute it everywhere. Right. Um, so that is the joy of being published by one of the houses. You can, and they, they put your book, they nominate your book or they put your, enter your book into competitions. Mm -hmm. And so you're just sitting at home, sitting on the couch and you see that, Oh, Hey, I've been nominated for this or that. Um, so beyond the writing piece, being with the houses, well, today, you know, everybody has to do a little bit of marketing. Right. Uh, 
But the difference with self-publishing is, you know, it's all on my own hustle. I, I sell as many books as I hustle for. Mm-hmm. And if I sit on my butt, on my butt, you know, I think I'm the greatest writer in the world, but I'll be the greatest writer never known. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yes, just because you write it doesn't mean they come. <laughs> right, that is so true. That is so true. <laughs> so you got to yeah. hustle. You got you yeah. to sell your work and get out there, um, which I don't mind doing. But like I said, if I was depending on this to feed a kid, um, I would be right there probably with the houses. But who knows? You know, I mean, you do your own hustle, too. You can probably make more than you make with the houses. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, given that you're, you are self-published and we've been in this pandemic, I don't know how long, seems like forever, <laughs> forever. Um how has this shaped this the the marketing that you have to do now for your books and and things like that? Because before we, you know, there may have been an opportunity for a book signing here or there, but mm-hmm. now everything is, you know, virtual. How has that kind of shaped your marketing and how you reach a new audience of people to to you know to to find you and find your work? You know, before the pandemic, I made a lot of money doing. Um, I call them informal book signings. So um, say I do a book fi- signing at a friend's house and she invites her friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, they come because of her, not necessarily because of me. And so, and I would always say, you have to do it at your house because then they feel obligated to come. <laughs> right, right, right. So then I go and I'm fairly entertaining and they read the books and they really enjoy them. So, you know, I would not only make money, I would evangelize people and then invariably three or four people would say hey I'll do a book signing for you Mm -hmm. and so you know I made 500 to 2,000 per book signing wow Um, yeah yeah so obviously I couldn't do that with the with the pandemic but that's been my most successful way of of making money Mm -hmm. um so now um I do virtual book signings Mm -hmm. uh and then usually it's just not as uh, dynamic. I mean, the people buy the book to participate in the book signing, but they're only buying one book. You know, when you're in person, they'll buy three or four. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I do virtual book signings. Um, I do events such as these. And then um, I just countless self-promotion on my, my main three are Facebook, Instagram, uh, well, Twitter is kind of so-so, but, um, you know, I'm also figuring out BookBub, um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, what's the other one? Um, of course, you you know, you got Amazon, so yeah, trying to figure that out, but, um, I will be happy when this pandemic dies down because, uh, I'll be able to get, to get back to my normal routine. Mm -hmm. And it seems like community and reaching folks is like, and, and having like a, a tangible audience you can talk to is like super important to you in developing your craft and your work and just getting it out there to to people. So and I know being a writer is so solitary sometimes. Um, do you have like your own personal community of folks that you kind of lean on other writers or, you know, people that, you know, you look to as mentors or or you have mentees that you that you work with? I have in the past. Um and and you know, it's it's kind of difficult 
because usually I'm looking for a peer, mm -hmm. uh, but then I end up there, you know, it's, it's kind of slim pickings out in Seattle, Tacoma area. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm looking for people of my own community, meaning black folks, mm -hmm. I end up being kind of the mentor person in the group. Mm -hmm. And when I expand it, I mean, cause there's plenty of white romance writers <laughs> out here. Right. And I've, I've, I've made bonds with two or three and we look at each other's work. Mm -hmm. So that's been really helpful, okay. but I would absolutely love to have a peer group in this area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not a member of like any like romance writers of association chapters or anything like that out in Seattle area. I was with Romance Writers of America. I've tried twice um, way back when I first started writing and they were so snobby. It was pathetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I tried again and they weren't snobby. It's just, we just didn't have much in common. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And I think, I think that's the struggle for a lot of like new writers like myself. Um, is trying to find community, um, particularly, like you said, community that looks like us, kind of understands our issues. And there's been this big push and talk for like diversity and diversifying romance and all of that. Um, what's kind of your take on that? Like this whole push for like now, like because of so many controversies with, you know, like with RWA and with other publishing houses, um, these pushes for diversity in romance like do you think it's kind of lip like just just talk or you think people are like serious about it you know i don't know because they've been saying the same thing since i've been doing it so since mm -hmm. night you know in fact i think i was in an article and listed as an up-and-coming writer in 2005 or so where beverly jenkins donna hill and somebody else was the main person that they interviewed and they were talking about the exact same thing that we're talking about now, but you know, we, we black romance writers make the industry money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so based on that, I think they need to, they, we need, they need to be forced to diversify. Mm -hmm. in my yeah. Yeah. How to do it, I don't know, but I know we make money. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I, I just did a, um, a call with a friend and we were talking about the two documentaries they had out about uh, romance. One was Naughty Books and the other one was Love Between the Covers. And uh -huh. the funny thing was in Naughty Books it was mostly focused on erotica. And I was like, you notice one thing, they didn't even interview Zane. And she was like, yeah, they didn't even talk to Zane. And then in the other one in the uh, Love Between the Covers, the only two black um romance writers they talked to were Beverly Jenkins mm -hmm. and Linda Jackson. Mm -hmm. so that was disappointing to us because we know and we could you know we consume so much of the of the you know genre and you know they did I mean they weren't even you know willing to highlight those folks who are making strides in mm -hmm. those areas and they were talking about the kind of boom of erotica after Fifty Shades of Grey, and I thought to myself, Zane was writing stuff in the nineties. Yeah. You know, I mean, writing erotica and stuff like that in the nineties. You know, because I remember being in high school 
sneaking and passing around books, you know, that I had no business reading. Um, <laughs> and for Zane. And I was like, you know, it's so disheartening that we don't get, we get left out of the conversation when it comes to romance and the subgenres of romance, whether it be erotica or romantic suspense or even, you know, how many black cozy, you know, mystery or, you know, sweet romance writers are there. You know, there are plenty, but they're not, they're not, you know, talking to them either, you know, um, and, they're definitely, and they're definitely making the money. So I think that's what's frustrating. So, I mean, as a, as a, for myself, as a, as a new writer, and we have these same mm-hmm. kind of frustrations, how can we move past that? What kind of advice do you have to like move past these frustrations and just keep on writing? Well, I would say, well, I write for the joy of writing. So mm-hmm. I would say writing, don't let that frustration stop you um, from enjoying your craft. And I'm looking at the at it at the micro level, I must admit, um, you know, keep writing, Edwina, keep putting your books out there, keep pushing, pushing on a bigger level. What can we do? And I know Beverly Jenkins and Brenda Jackson, all of them have spoken out about it. Um, but I sit here and I think, you know, back when I started, we had Genesis Press and Arabesque and there were two black houses putting out black books. Mm hmm. And then, you know, one ran out of business and the other sold. Mm-hmm. And I haven't investigated, but are there black publishers out there? Because there are there, they're very small um, and very independent. But, the, but you know, the, the houses aren't focusing on, they say they want LGBT folks. They say they want people of color, but they aren't investing in, say, just a line for people of color a line for um the, well I, I take that back because i think is it karina press they have a line for just lgbt uh, romance and stuff like that um but um and it's fairly new so they just they just kind of started it um but there aren't any like i remember you know kimani and the arabesque and all that i remember that and we don't have that anymore you know that they they have been folded into other things, so they're just not they're not there anymore to highlight those the writers. That's how I discovered the you know Rochelle Ellers and you know the Donna Hills and all these other people um, through those lines. You know where you can get like two books in one, you know <laughs> and stuff like that. But they don't have that anymore. You know. So um, that. I think one of the pieces to the puzzle, imagine if we had a, a black publisher as big as Motown or mm, mm. B, well, BT, that's too bad they sold it. But um, yeah. um, if we had a big, uh, uh, if we had a black voice in the publishing industry. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, and because so much is, is, is so multimedia, if, if we not only had like a publishing, a publisher, but somebody to work with, say, these networks and own a lifetime or whoever, whatever, to put these, you know, things out there in move, maybe movie uh, adaptations and stuff like that. Um, I know Beverly, um, excuse me, Brenda Jackson um, has had a couple of her things um, adapted back in the day. She has something on passion flicks, which is like, you have to have a subscription for that. Um, and I know she's working actively to have like, her own kind of studio to kind of um, make, 
you know, adapt some of her, her writing. Um, and that's but, back in the yeah. day. Remember they BET published the books and then they had the Arabic movies. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have that kind of pipeline anymore to, to, you know, get things out there, um, it, which is crazy. So much of it is just dependent upon, you know, luck of the draw, if it's popular or it, if somebody says, you know, this is good or whatever. Um, we don't have, we, we just don't have that anymore. That kind of direct, you know, outlet, yeah. guess, you know, and so that's just frustrating. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if, for me, if I'm like, oh my God, I want to see my work out there. I want to see it. And, you know, everybody loved to have one of their books adapted, you know, or something like that. You know, where do we go? You know, who's going to do that? We don't, we have no idea because, you know, a lot of it's particularly over the past summer with the with the riots and things like that and people saying they want diversity, but we haven't seen it. You know, we haven't seen the the kind of like, okay, you say you want diversity. You say you stand by black writers and things like that, but we haven't seen it, you know, and that's just, that just becomes like increasingly frustrating. Um, You're right. You know who we need to get to is um, he does the mama movies. Um, Tyler Perry. <laughs> Tyler Perry, get him to publish as well and, and turn some of the books into movies. But see, he'll want to write it. And that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. You know, he doesn't have a writer's room. So he'll want to adapt it and, and not and not have somebody, you know, come in and write. But, you know, he likes to do everything himself. That's <laughs> Yeah, but he certainly has the clout to do it. Yeah, but he does have the clout. You're right. Get into the public. Yeah. So what do you think are like some common traps for like when you were first starting out, like some common traps for like aspiring writers, like some things that they kind of get easily sucked into or, or things that they, you know, miss common mistakes that um, aspiring writers make. Well, you know, even though I said I would re refuse to go to a class to learn to write, I did work at it. I dissected the books and tried to figure out what they were doing. I read them for a different purpose, uh, especially the books that I enjoyed. I went back and read them and said, why did I enjoy this? What did they do? So you can't just write without some sort of work to learn the craft, mm -hmm. whether that's your own work or, or having somebody teach you. Um, the other thing for me personally, I, you know, I've, I've published, 10 books now and I still am filled with self-doubt as I write <laughs> and so and I've learned that if I give in to that self-doubt I'll stop writing for maybe a month or two or you know so there's two things that I'm fighting self-doubt and the other one is I call it analysis paralysis mm -hmm. where I just keep writing and get that first draft out and I only go back maybe and read a page um because if I don't, I will get stuck editing the same uh, paragraph over and over again and never get out of it. It's like I'm a rat on a wheel. Just mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> going same thing over and over again. Um, so analysis paralysis. I just have to keep writing. And the first draft is usually bad. I <laughs> know. <laughs> First draft is going to be bad. But once I get that first draft done, I feel such a sense of relief and accomplishment. Um, and then it's just the editing is so much easier, you know, and I edit it maybe 20 times. 
but getting that first draft out is the challenge. So anybody, if there's any writers out there like me, don't sit there stuck on the same sentence for two weeks. <laughs> I, the the self doubt is me. I, I am I am the self doubt. Like oh my god, why am I even doing this? And I'll just stop for like two weeks, three weeks. I'm like I don't have any. I don't yeah. have any. And then something or like an idea will like wake me up in the middle of the night, and I'm like okay, now I need to go write. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I have to I have to push through the self doubt. I feel like I have like this imposter syndrome. Like I'm not supposed to be there when yeah. that's not true. I know people like yourself and, and 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 others have paved the way for me to be there. Um, but I just, you know, I'm always feeling like I'm, you know, I'm an imposter. So I'm not really a real writer, you know. <laughs> I'm not a real writer. I don't have anything published. Da, 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 da. Writing. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's that that's how I feel. Oh my God. I feel like you just you really were in my head then, <laughs> then about that. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. And the funny thing is like, I'll go back and I'll read my first book and I'll go, wow, this is a really good book, Edwina. Once I get some distance from it. <laughs> yeah. 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 You have to have distance from it. And then like, for me, it's having somebody like not a friend or anything. Mm-hmm. Like somebody just a neutral party, just read something of mine. Like, tell me how this sounds. And then, you know, they're like, oh, okay, I get it. Or, or, you know, I don't really get this part. Like, I feel better then because your friends will just hype you up. But I don't want somebody just to hype me up. I want somebody to just, you know, tell me the truth and say, this is what you need to improve on. And like you said, when you have some distance from it, you, you'll see, you know, it's much better than you thought it, thought it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you are writing, what are some of like the hardest scenes for you to write or hardest things for you to write? You know, that varies from book to book. Um, the love scenes are not, are not hard at all. Uh, <laughs> and the way I keep them fresh is I really do put myself in the minds of the character and how would they act, you know, mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. that love scene different? Um, I'm sorry. What did you ask me again? I just asked what are the hardest scenes for you to write? That's all. Oh yeah. Um, I'm thinking, Oh, you know, I know what it is. Um, sometimes it's a description cause I just don't want to be bothered with it. You know <laughs> what they're eating and what the, usually I just write it and get the first draft out and then go back and put all that stuff in. Yeah. The kind of mundane <laughs> stuff, stuff you think is mundane, but it's really a critical detail. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then sometimes I'll get stuck on that. You know, if I sit there and say, okay, what are they eating for dinner? And then Mm. I just, that's one of the places I can get stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, Are they having chicken? Are they having fish? (laughs) About how it tastes and blah, blah, blah. So, and I know historicals are really big. So that'll be a challenge for me. Oh my God. Yeah. You got the, all the details of what they ate, drank, slept in. Oh my God. Everything. (laughs) Everything. Yep, you're absolutely right. <laughs> so I know you said before you don't really have, don't really get writer's block or you just kind of push through it. I mean, how do you push through it? Like, I mean, you just say you got to keep going, but how do you push through? How do you really push through having, you know, having writer's block? I tell myself I have to write something. And mm-hmm. so I force, I won't let myself get up until I've written something. 
Um, or if I do have to go do something else, then I just feel guilty the rest of the day until I can get back and write something. And it, it may only be a paragraph and it may not even be something I use in the story later, mm -hmm. but it, it keeps the, um, momentum going. Mm -hmm. So okay. even a sentence, just write something. Just something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because writing is writing, it really is an exercise. You have to do it every day to get better at it. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember hearing uh, Tayari Jones say writing is like exercise. Like you exercise 30 minutes a day to be healthy, mm -hmm. but you, know, you need to write at least 30 minutes a day to be a strong, you know, healthy writer too. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I've kind of tried to keep that in mind, you know. And me having a small child, I'm like, okay, yeah, I might 30 minutes might be all I have, you know. Um, but I'm gonna try and commit myself um to doing that too. So yeah, I I, I promise I'll try and write something every day. <laughs> every day to push through it. Push yourself to do it. Yeah, yeah. So you've been with publishing houses, you've written and you've been independently published for a while now. Mm -hmm. What what does literary success look like to you and what's the most rewarding thing about the process of writing? Well, I feel such a sense of accomplishment. Um, like I just put out chocolate drop and that came out, um, on the 15th. So very mm -hmm. recently. So that's a tremendous high, um, doing, getting that's literary success to me, getting the book out. Um, of course, financial success, um, is always important too. But you know, my goal with writing is I want you to read the book and when you're done, you go, oh God, that was just such a good story. Mm -hmm. So when I get reviews um, that let me know that I've achieved that, I feel such a sense of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. That's literary success to me. Mm -hmm. Being able to continue to do it and then having people appreciate the writing mm. money is all, but those two are even more important to me. And, you know, when I was with the houses, it became a bit, um, mm. with deadlines and pressure and it just wasn't as fun. And with self-publishing, I get to control that. Um, I want consistency for my readers. I, you know, I don't want a book come out six months and then I don't do one for five years. That would drive the readers nuts. <laughs> right. Right. So I want consistency for the readers, but being able to do it on my own terms helps keep it fun for me as opposed to it being a job. Mm -hmm. yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, no, no, it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. To me. Mm -hmm. All right. So we've come to the fun part of the interview, <laughs> but it's all been fun, but <laughs> it's all been fun. But this is a little final segment I like to call like my whole, um, James Lipton moment, our inside the actor studio moment, <clears throat> where we ask like 10 questions and see your responses to them, like little short answers. Yeah. Um, so what do you like writing better, heroes or villains? Or do you write villains at all? Yeah, I got, so I have a bit of romantic suspense. Heroes. I like writing heroes better. Love scenes or dramatic arguments? Oh, both of those are so fun. <laughs> go with love scenes. Love scenes. Um, ha have you seen a, okay, 
What's the best book to movie adaptation you've seen? Or do you think they're all bad? Jeez. Um, I would have to, I think Outlander. Outlander, is that the, mm. what I'm talking about? The TV series? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. And it's pretty close to the book. Yeah, very close to the book. Your favorite place to write? You know, it used to be my bed till my back started hurting. <laughs> <laughs> so my office or Starbucks. Uh, I can't wait till you get back to like writing in public mm -hmm. places. Yeah. I feel like I get the most like inspiration writing in a public place. But yeah. Um, book reviews. Do you read them or not read them? I read them. You do? Okay. I, I don't think I can do it. <laughs> I don't think I want to do it. Um, mm -hmm. Do you learn anything from from reading the like the book book reviews? You know, most of mine have been pretty positive, so it's it's affirmation that my writing is good. Okay. Uh, when they're critical, I just I look for the constructive part of it. Um, and if there's nothing constructive, then I just try to put it out of my head. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> um the 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 product that you produce is like your baby and like somebody yeah. talking about your baby yeah that's how, that, I mean, that's how I feel I'm like I don't know if I want to you know see somebody talking saying my baby's ugly I, I don't want to I don't want to feel that way you know um yeah so the last romance novel you read oh geez you know I've been so busy writing my own mm. um uh, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> right now, I'm breaking out of um, my last on a hill. Mm -hmm. um, but right now, I'm breaking out of what I usually read. And um, Wrong, the book's name is Wrong by Jaina Aston. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. And I'm reading it because it's a younger woman with an older man. So I ah. said, let me read some. Yeah. So that's the one that's in my head right now. Okay. Okay. Um, is there a book? Well, well, is there a book that you wish you would have written or no? Uh, no, because because there's I have plenty more books to write. Mm. So for Chocolate Drop, I had a completely different theme. It was going to, she was going to be a basketball player and she was going to be playing on a team in Spain. And I was going to bring the rich Moorish history. You know, the mm -hmm. Moors came up from Africa and conquered Spain for Southern Spain for 800 years. Right, right. I was going to bring that rich history in, but with the pandemic, I had, I changed the whole story and it's now um, takes place in Seattle during the pandemic. Love in the time of Corona. Yeah. Um, and the main, the hero, the heroine is an emergency room doctor, and the hero is the head of um, the morgue. He's a doctor in pathology. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know that whole story changed because of the circumstances. But I will write that that other story in the future. So it's just um, an idea in the back of my head. Maybe that can be your historical. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. I would read it. <laughs> That's good. I probably read it. Um, do you listen to music when you write? Uh, if I do, I listen to like jazz with no words. Because uh, if I listen 
music with words it'll distract me okay okay and um your favorite word to use when you're writing um i'm thinking um probably well w-e-l-l and i have to take it out of my writing (laughs) (laughs) um if one of your books became a movie which one and who would you want to play the lead well i think the whole chocolate friday series would be great uh you know the in in chocolate friday it's the the hero the heroine encounters the hero he's a male stripper um and Ooh. then he ends being, she's a uh english professor at the university and he ends up being in her class mm. <laughs> and oh. so um I'm thinking, uh, well, you know, Tay Diggs, if he was taller, (laughs) (laughs) younger, I don't know these young actors names, you know, I love Idris Elba. He could be in, uh, (laughs) he could be in any one of my super chocolate and good looking. I'm like, well, there's Kofi Kofi Cerebo. He's good looking and tall and chocolate. Ah, That'll work. And then chocolate, it's a white woman who falls in love I mean, a black woman who falls in love with a white man. Okay. And uh, Travis Fimmel, do you know who that is? Um, he played in the series The Viking. Uh, look him up. He's gorgeous. He's blonde-haired. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he play the role now, but that's who I had in mind when I wrote the book. Mm, mm. Okay, yeah, he is handsome. Yeah. <laughs> he's not like he- looked him up real quick. He's, he's really handsome. He has nice blue eyes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then my current, the one I just dropped, the hero is Samoan. Um, and so the the picture I had in my mind was uh, Aquaman when he was young, oh, where yeah. he was on Baywatch. Mm-hmm. That's what he. Wow, that's funny. Oh. The first the first book I finished was a Samoan guy and a black girl too, but I never I never did anything with it. It's still uh-huh. sitting there, and I'm like, huh, maybe I'll do something, but I don't know. Well, check out Chocolate Drop. It might inspire you. It might, I'm going, I am, I am, I am. And look, before I talk to you, I already bought them and put them on my Kindle. So I was like, look, I'm going to, I'm going to um, read them. <laughs> I'm definitely going to read them. So where do you see romance going in the next decade? How do you see romance changing or evolving in the next decade? Well, I think we'll have more readers. Mm. Uh, and I really like, uh, currently, my thing is I write about Black women falling in love. So they can fall mm. in love with white Samoan, Samoan men. They can fall in love with women. They can fall in love with everybody. Right. So I, I see the romance industry being a big blend, I would hope. Mm-hmm. And not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. And so finally, when it's all said and done, what do you want readers to say about the books that you write? Oh, that was just a great story. Mm-hmm. And I want the readers to feel like it's a complete story, but I also want them to feel like, oh, I wish it didn't end. Yeah. You know how you read a book and you don't want it to end? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're yeah. available on Amazon. Please pick them up. Amazon can <laughs> want it for free. Yes, please pick them up and they're available, yes, for free if you have Kindle Unlimited. So thank you so much, Edwina. This was so fun. 
talking to you and I feel like I learned so much and have gained so much knowledge um as a as a baby writer here um and a lover of romance I feel like I've just learned so much in talking to you so thank you thank you so much um can you tell us where we can find you on social media Yes. And, but before we end, let me know offline if you want to start um, like a virtual uh, writers group or something where we can review each other's work of plenty of people help me. So I'd be happy to. Oh my gosh. I would love it. I would totally love it. Yes. I don't, I don't even have to say, say no. Yes. (laughs) Yes. 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 Definitely. So the key to everything is my name. Edwina Martin Arnold um, on Facebook, Edwina Martin Arnold author, Instagram, Edwina Martin Arnold number one for number one author. Um, It's Edwina Martin AR1. And of course, my website um, is my name. So Edwina Martin Arnold, if you remember that, um, you can access all of my stuff. Yeah, and we'll make sure we post all of this on our our Romance and Color website. Instagram so everybody will have all that information there and it'll be linked to your Instagram as well so thank you so much I really super super appreciate this it's been awesome and I look forward to speaking to you again have all my information all right thanks so much thank you thanks Once again, I want to thank Miss Edwina Martin-Arnold for joining me on the podcast. You can find her everywhere on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All the information will be listed in our podcast information and on our Instagram at Romance in Color. Thank you all so much for stopping by this week. I hope you enjoyed our conversation and stop by next week where we'll have another conversation with another writer in our Writing in Color series. Take care and God bless.